Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is from Numbers. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that the many people of Israel died. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if the serpent bent, bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. You know, dear friends of Christ, you know, there are good words and there are bad words, and I'm not talking about cuss words. I'm talking about words that hurt people. And, and we don't think about it much, but words of grumbling and words of complaining not only hurt the people around us, they hurt the Lord. The Lord is disappointed when we do that, you know, because He has given us so many blessings. But we ignore all those blessings and we complain as if we haven't been blessed at all. We complain about the things we don't have instead of the, the blessings that we've received. It's just natural, sinful, human nature. Well, today we're going to talk about bad talk. And Jesus talks, God talks about that in Numbers. The Lord hates it. The Lord hates it. Uh, when those words flow from our lips, and He hates it when that grumbling and complaining flows from our hearts. We, if you listen to our language, you know, sometimes you think we have nothing for which to be thankful for. And indeed, the Lord knows different, doesn't He? He knows how He's blessed you. He knows the things that He's given to you. So let's focus on these bad words. Sometimes grumbling, complaining, whining is outspoken. It's noisy and loud. Other times it's, it's muted and, and almost unheard. Other times, grumbling and complaining and whining is done silently. Without a word ever spoken. But you know there's grumbling and complaining and whining going on. Because the grumbling, complaining, and the whining is embedded deep in the recesses of our heart in such a way that it becomes an attitude. An attitude of unthankfulness, a bitterness that dwells there. And it brews itself into a fine stew of inner misery, and unhappiness, discontentment, making us very unhappy people. After all, who can be happy with all that weighed down disappointment and dissatisfaction and discontentment? Do you know why grumbling and complaining and whining is such a great sin? It's because it causes such great unhappiness. And God doesn't want unhappiness in you, and He doesn't want that unhappiness in anybody else. It also affects everybody around you. It affects their spirit, how, how they think, how they live. When we grumble and complain, we break God's commandment because when we grumble and complain, we're ultimately blaming Him because He's a provider of all. And what we're saying is, Lord, I'm sorry, but I don't like what you provided today. 
I don't like the things that you've given me. I don't like the world around me. I don't like how you've made me. And we begin to grumble and complain and whine. It affects how we think. It affects how we act. It affects how we live. Not joyful, but unjoyful. Grumbling and complaining, it it takes control of our lives. Our text this morning, we see how God responds to all that. He doesn't respond well. As we consider our theme after He punishes it severely, that God does provide a cure. So let's go back in history. It, our text takes us back, and of course you remember how Moses led the people of God out of Egypt into the promised land. God had a plan for His people, and it wasn't be, to be enslaved. It wasn't to uh, you know, work under the hand of an unbeliever. He wanted them in the promised land. And even God describes it as a land flowing of milk and honey. It would be a place where the people would have all they need. Their needs would be satisfied. However, before they got there, before the Lord could deliver them to the promised land, they had to wander in the wilderness because there's that wilderness between Egypt and Israel. And as they were wandering in the wilderness, the people of God rebelled against God and lived in sin. They turned against God They worshiped false gods. They complained about what God had done. And they grumbled and they whined. When God had had enough, He sent the poisonous, fiery snakes. He sent the poisonous serpents to bite the people. It was a punishment. For all their grumbling and complaining and whining. Glad God doesn't do that today. It was punishment. Don't you see? The whole community was unhappy. And they were making each other unhappy. One person would complain and the next person would add to it. This was unhappiness was a poison that, that spread through the whole community. It spread through the whole congregation. Does that poison ever spread in your life? Does that poison spread in your home? In your community, in your church, in your heart? Will that poison spread from one person to another person until they were all infected by the disease? And to a person, they lifted their voices against the Lord to express their bitter dissatisfaction in His leadership. Didn't we tell you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us go on serving the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And then in our text, why did you make us leave Egypt? Just to die in the desert, there's no bread, there's no water, and we can't stand this awful food. And later they even grumbled against Moses, saying, let's appoint a new leader and let's go back to Egypt. Think of all the unhappy moments in your life. 
all the disappointing moments, all the grumbling, the whining, the complaining, the discontentment, the dissatisfaction, being disgruntled and unthankful. Do you know what that poison did? That poison affected who you are. That poison affected your heart. It affected those around you. It changed their spirits. made them different people too. It made bitter their attitudes. Where did all this come from? Adam and Eve? We see an example of it right at the beginning. Immediately they fell into sin. Their sin became evident. God came talking to Adam. What did you do? Why did you eat the the forbidden fruit? And Adam said, well, it's the woman's fault. And the woman said, well, it's the snake's fault. And they both said, God, it's your fault. You made this whole thing. And that's what sinful nature does. It never never stops here and says, the fault lies here. The fault lies in my broken heart. The fault lies with me. I'm the reason why there's so much unhappiness. I'm the problem. But seldom do we let the problems settle in our own hearts. The fault never stops with us, and we blame those around us. And in doing so, we hurt them. And we grumble and we complain and we hurt God. But our misery and our discont- in our misery and in our discontentment, we don't care. After all, I mean, if I'm going to hurt, if I'm going to suffer, I'm going to make, somebody, make sure that somebody hurts and suffers with me. And such is the poison of discontentment. So God sent the venomous snakes to bite the people. If they wanted poison, God would send them poison. Except this poison did not come from the poisonous venom of the sin of their lips. It did not come from the poisonous venom from the sin in their hearts. This poisonous venom came from the fiery serpents and the fangs of vipers, and their bite was deadly. You know, when it enters the body, this, this, this kind of serpent, it starts to break down the cellular tissue, and you literally start to bleed inside out. It's a very, very painful and gruesome death. No, these were not ordinary snakes. They were aggressive. They were sent by God as a punishment. The venomous snakes bit the people. The bite stung. The bite hurt. A lot of pain. Now, God did intervene to save them, though they did not deserve to be saved. God heard the cry of Moses and had Moses customize a bronze serpent to put up on a pole that if the people looked up, they'd be healed and live. Paul talks about this event in 1 Corinthians. He warns, talking to us. Now, we shouldn't put the Lord to test, as some of them did. They were killed by snakes. Don't complain, as some of them did. The angel of death destroyed them. These things happened to them as an example for others. 
These things are written down as a warning for us who are living in these closing days of history. So people who think they're standing firmly should be careful that they don't fall. Are you heeding the warning? Are you standing firmly watching your tongue lest you fall? Or like them, are you willing to wander away from the Lord? Or like them, willing to incur the wrath of God? Moses warned the people. But if you do not do this, then look, you will have sinned against the Lord and know that your sin will find you out. Your sin will find you out. You know, the only cure for this sin that finds you out is forgiveness. The only cure is God's cure. That's the only way to take care of this kind of venom. God does have a cure for the problem, and the first step for the problem is confession. Now, the people realize their sin. Once the venomous snakes it started causing them to live in pain and die, they cried out to Moses, We've sinned against the Lord. We confess. We did something wrong. It wasn't good. What we've done is evil. We've sinned against the Lord and Moses. We've sinned against you. Pray to the Lord that He'd take the serpents away from us. The people confess their sin. That's where it starts. Realizing the problem, and instead of making lame excuses for what they had done and and the behavior that they had, they simply confessed. They came clean, and the same thing with us. We must come clean, on our knees, before the Lord. Confess our brokenness. Because Jesus has a cure. The serpent... As the serpent was lifted up in the pole, so also Jesus was lifted up in the cross. That all who are bitten by the poison of sin may look upon Jesus and live. There is a cure for our insolent hearts. The Lord told the people to look up. Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole. Everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. And the Lord tells us the same thing. Look, look to the cross. And it's a season of Lent. Jesus is making his journey to the cross. The focus is all about the cross. Look to the cross. Why? Because we're broken and we need to live. You look to the cross. It's all about Jesus. The first step is confession, acknowledging that you have the problem. The second step is is believing that the Lord is merciful, that the Lord is good, that the Lord has a cure, and embracing that. The second step's all about Jesus and everything that He's done to save us. It says everybody who looked at the bronze snake lived. But what about those who laughed? What about those who laughed at the whole process, looking at a bronze snake? That's just ridiculous. No, I'm not going to look, look at the bronze snake. And Maybe they thought their ways were better. What happened to them? They died. Well, what about those who looked up? They lived. 
they were healed. And they ran through the camp with joy, telling others, look at me. Boy, that really hurt. The sting hurt, the bite hurt, but look at me. I was dying, but now I'm alive. And they ran through the camp and they told their friends, you need to go look at the snake. You need to look up. Look up and be healed. Please believe me. Please believe what Moses is saying. People think it's all nonsense. It's not nonsense. It works. Oh, please look up. Please believe. Please be saved. The cure is so amazing. But know this, though the Lord provided a cure, He did not take away the fiery serpents. No, they continued to bite. Sin is like that. It never goes away. It continues to bite. It stayed around, filling the people with their deadly poison. With Paul, we confess, I know there's nothing good that dwells in me that's in my flesh. However, know this, that though the sin fills us, the poison fills us, there is a cure, right? Jesus provides a way out. He provides a solution. He sends His Son. How good is the cure that Jesus provides? Well, listen again to Jesus' words from our Gospel. Just as Moses, Jesus said, just as Moses, He gives them a, a sermon on the same text, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, He always talks about Himself in the third person as if He's preaching about somebody, somebody else. It always amazes me with Jesus. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. See the cross. Look up. Be healed and be saved. Today we celebrate what comes to us through the healing of the cross And we confess that disease that is inbred, the disease that runs through the blood in our veins, the disease of sickness, and we look to the cross, we lift up our eyes, we put our faith and trust in Jesus and what He's done, and our sins are completely removed. The poison is completely taken away by His perfect blood. Paul said it best, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. In fact, we can't remove this poison. You know, in the old days, they used to be able to make a a slice and, you know, suck out the poison and spit it out. They tell us it doesn't work. It certainly doesn't work with the spiritual poison of sin. But Jesus has a cure. He not only sucked it out, Jesus came down And while we're unable to remove the venom from our veins, Jesus came down and He let all the venom enter into Him. The venom of our sin and our discontentment and our disappointment and our grumbling and our complaining and our whining. And Jesus took all of those sins on Himself. The Bible says Jesus became sin for us. It also says the punishment that brought us peace was upon Him and by His wounds we are healed. Don't you have somebody to tell? Isn't there somebody in the community that you know that's running around with the venomous, deadly sin 
coursing through their veins. And you know the cure. Tell the people they've been bitten. Tell the people you've been bitten. Tell the people that you've been healed. Tell the people to look up. People are dying. Bring them to the cross that they might live. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.